A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Thanks to everyone who supports independent tech news directly. If you're not already, become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, November 26, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And uh, I forgot the day. Uh, Producer Roger Chang having a lovely day. Uh, Welcome back, us, because you were here, but we were gone on Thursday and Friday. So much pie, so much jerky. Oh, we're much getting pie. back together. <laughs> uh, anyone in the U.S. who celebrated, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. The rest of you, I hope you had a lovely end of your regular week and enjoyed the new uh, weekend preview of Daily Tech Headlines. Weekend in weekend review that Rich Straffolino put in the Daily Tech Headlines feed on Saturday. That's going to be a regular feature. But we're back, so let's start with a few tech things you should know. It's a tale as old as VHS, perhaps. Microsoft and Apple duking it out for something. These days, it's for the title of the world's most valuable company by market capitalization. So Microsoft passed Apple Monday, being worth $812.93 billion as Apple dipped below it to $812.6 billion. The two companies' stocks prices fluctuated the rest of the day with the two companies trading places a few times. If you care about these things. Who's number one? You care if you own their stock, I guess. Mm. Uh, Businesses in Ohio might care about this. You can now pay your taxes in Ohio in Bitcoin. The first U.S. state to allow that. These are business taxes, not personal taxes. Companies must register at OhioCrypto.com, although you might want to pay soon as Bitcoin prices continue to fall uh, Monday trading below $3,900. Let's talk a little more about whether you should use your mobile connection or your Wi-Fi connection. Let's do it, Tom. Open Signal's speed test in 80 countries showed that Wi-Fi was slower than mobile networks in 33 countries. Wi-Fi suffered from congestion of the airwaves. In some locations, Australians had the biggest advantage with mobile networks 13 megabits per second faster than Wi-Fi on average. Qatar, France, Mexico, Turkey, and South Africa were among the other countries where mobile was faster than Wi-Fi. However, Wi-Fi was more than twice as fast on average than mobile in Hong Kong, the U.S., Thailand, Israel, and Russia. You know, you, you know that some of you just you just got caught going. Wi-Fi is way faster than mobile where I live, and then right. realized, oh wait, I live in Hong Kong, the U.S., Thailand, Russia, or Israel, or Israel, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it has to do with whether you have congestion of Wi-Fi, as Sarah said, uh, and really fast internet. Uh, if, if you have really fast internet, 
on wired combined with high rollouts of of modern protocol wi-fi routers and maybe your 4g service isn't that great then you're going to have faster wi-fi but if you've got fast lte service and maybe the landlines aren't so great around you then you might have faster mobile i i, I found this fascinating you know it's funny um i've got a little sort of lake pond whatever near me and they have one of these like toyota sponsored you know free wi-fi and it's funny because i sort of look at that and i'm like i mean i don't need your like free wi-fi because you're toyota kind of thing because my my service is quite fast using my soul service in my particular neighborhood but I don't know. I mean, how much is that sort of thing still, uh, you know, a, a, a drive where a company can, you know, can uh, do sort of a goodwill measure by giving free Wi-Fi in an area where they know a lot of people are going to be hanging out? Yeah, it, it depends on the country. Uh, certainly in India, uh, it's huge. That kind of that kind of thing, and and other countries as well. I think in touristy areas, it's often appreciated uh, by people, especially as roaming is still a little complicated. You still can't always get the best roaming. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think that's I, th- I think that's something that that will probably see go away as mobile service gets better and better, and and as we seem to be slowly moving towards universal roaming, you know, waiving of roaming fees. I mean, we're not there by any stretch, but but we're making slow moves toward that. I was just doing a speed test right now. Uh, my LTE service right here is 14.9 megabits per second right now. Now I'm going to turn on my Wi-Fi and I'm right next to the Wi-Fi router. So it ought to be pretty good, but I'm, I'm actually curious. And you're hardwired. No, no, I'm doing it on my phone. Okay. All right. So I'm not hardwired, I'm, I'm, but my Wi-Fi is hardwired. <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. I'm I'm already seeing like 300 megabits per second on the Wi-Fi, so not even close. Dang. Well, yeah. So you're 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 I'm I'm in the U.S. That's what I should have according to this open signal study. Uh, speaking of the U.S., the United States Supreme Court heard arguments in Apple's appeal of a decision to allow a class action lawsuit accusing Apple of violating antitrust law by restricting apps to only those sold in the App Store, which the class action says inflates prices. Now, the reason it's going to the Supreme Court is the lower court said, yes, you can bring the suit. They didn't rule in favor of Apple or the class. They just said you can bring the suit. Apple is saying that the plaintiffs lack legal standing to bring this lawsuit because a 1977 decision, which is considered a precedent in such cases, limits damages to those directly overcharged rather than the indirect victims of overcharging. And Apple's like, the developers set the price. If anybody's overcharging them, it's them, not us. We don't set the price, but Apple does take 30%. So that's what the class says. Yeah, maybe you don't set the price, but you're the one charging us. We buy it through you. Now, here's how the justices broke down their reactions. It seems like they're leaning against letting the case be brought. Uh, Justice Kagan said, from my perspective, I've just engaged in a one-step transaction with Apple. She said, talking about the app store. She's like, I go into Apple, I pay Apple with my Apple Pay, and I get the app. Uh, Justice Gorsuch wondered whether the 1977 ruling even should apply in modern marketplaces like the app store. He thinks maybe we just need a new ruling altogether. Justice Kavanaugh said plaintiffs would have more of a right to sue Apple if they bought the apps from the developers 
and if Apple bought the apps from the developers and then added it's 30%. But the fact that Apple just let somebody set the prices seemed to be kind of persuasive to him. And Chief Justice Roberts expressed concern that Apple could be held liable on price, both by the app developers and consumers if the suit was allowed. So it wasn't 100%. And we don't know the decision yet, but it does... It, 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 it's always hard to read the tea leaves on these. Sometimes the justices will lean one way in their questioning in order to force responses that they'll then use to rule in a different way than it looked. All right. So the question here is, should Apple be able to set prices? Yes. Justice Lane, uh, should, should, not, not should Apple be able to set prices, but is Apple liable for inflated prices since they take 30% and they don't let developers sell their apps any other way except through the App Store. One would think yes. <laughs> so you'd, you'd say, no, you should be able to sue them for that. I That would be my first response, yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think that you should, that Apple should be, should lose the lawsuit, which is a separate question, right? It's right. one thing to say, yeah, you should be allowed to sue. That doesn't mean you'll win, though. That's a harder question, right? It it's is, like, is, yeah. Is Apple guilty of antitrust by not allowing third-party apps in their app store? Because they don't set prices. They just charge to get in the app store. But they charge to get in the app store, and there's no competition. You can't drive down Apple's percentage cut because without jailbreaking, going around and breaking terms of service, there's no other way to get apps on the app on the phone. Hmm. I'd, I, I would welcome the community's responses. <laughs> Please, yeah. feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Uh, for now, we'll move on to the next story. Venture Beat published a photo, photo, a video rather, of a restaurant receiving a call from Google Duplex requesting a reservation. Back in June, Google said it would disclose all Duplex AI calls by saying something like, Hi, I'm the Google Assistant calling to make a reservation for a client. This automated call will be recorded. Let everybody know. But in the VentureBeat video, you hear, hi, I'm calling to make a reservation for a client. I'm calling from Google. So the call may be recorded. There's a difference here. The Verge has sources who say the reason is because the call in the VentureBeat video was made by a human at Google, not an AI. Apparently, while Duplex isn't testing, some calls are made uh, by AI, while some are made by humans. Yeah, so this is this is interesting. I uh it's weird. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There was well, there was a lot of there was some uh comment about the venture beat video saying, hey, they didn't say they were an AI. Has Google changed their policy? The Verge found out no. That was just a human. And so when you're a human, uh, they don't say they're an AI. But The Verge is asking, should you say you're a human? If the expectation might be that this is an automated call, should you be forced to say, hi, I'm a person from Google? (laughs) I think a more interesting question to me is, why are they still having humans place these calls? I know that Duplex has a failover. If Duplex gets confused, it can hand it over to a human. But why in the test are they having humans just do the call altogether? Uh, it, that implies there may be a capacity or performance issue on duplex. Well, or maybe Google is trying to collect information on whether um, having a human versus the AI version um, uh, is you know like better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may be doing some A/B testing where they're like, let's have some humans do it, and and then we can compare results. I think you, I think you, that's actually a really good reason why that, why that would be. So, all right. But, but I mean, we've talked about this on the show um, and, you know, a lot of capacities, the, the idea of, you know, do you have to tell somebody that you're a human versus a robot? And if you don't, what are the implications of that? Are you confusing the person on the other end of the call? And, you know, why are these calls when 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 do calls like this actually make more sense? And you know, obviously, as as we figured out, it's it's still a bit up in the air. Yeah, and and this is still in the testing phase. Not everybody has access to this, uh, so it w- it would make sense that they they're just trying out some different things. I, I yield my objection. Scientists from MIT published a paper in Nature last week describing a twelve second sixty meter test flight of a 2.45 kilogram plane, so pretty light, with no moving parts. That's the big part. Yeah, it didn't fly long or even that far, about the length of a high school gym, and it was pretty light, just a few pounds, but man, no moving parts. No quadcopter, no no rotors, nothing. Such a plane would be quieter, easier to maintain, and have no emissions. The thruster used uses high voltage to generate ions in the air, around two electrodes. The ions get thrown between the electrodes, colliding with air, which creates ionic wind. So you have twin ion engines, even though it's not really an engine, or tie. Tie. If you were to make these fighters, they would then be tie fighters. Following me? Anyway, the technique has been known since the 1960s, but they could never make it create enough thrust until now. The current system may or may not scale to passenger planes. They're not sure. They're going to try, but they're not sure. It could, however, be used in combination with traditional passenger jet engines to reduce drag. 
Well, I will tell you, as somebody who has a um, helicopter <laughs> hovering over me very <laughs> often because uh, the helicopter likes to see the um, the freeway uh, um, activity near yeah. me, I welcome this. My goodness. And I know, you know, planes and helicopters work a little bit differently, but the less noise, the better. Yeah. I do like to know when the when the copters, sometimes they're not just traffic copters. Sometimes they're police copters. It's, it's nice to know when they're there, if it's a police copter, that something's going on, but I don't want flying things to be loud just because of that. And this is crazy. Like, even if they're just the, the, the idea to reduce drag here is you could have the ion engines sort of act as boosters for the air that naturally flows around a plane a lot of times, and I won't get into all of the, the physics of why, but a lot of times the air that's flowing around a plane builds up behind the plane and actually causes drag and it slows the plane down. You could make jet engines more efficient by speeding up the air that's going past the plane so it doesn't drag the plane down. And you could use, even if these twin ion engines are not good enough to power the plane entirely, it could it could help make it a lot more fuel efficient. So um uh, it's it's a pretty cool story and, and you should check it out uh, technologyreview.com has a great write-up on it or just go to nature uh and and read about it yourself Krebs on security reports research from anti-fishing company fish lab shows that 49 percent of all fishing sites in q3 of this year used https so showed up in browsers as secure sites all right that's up 25% a year ago. 80% of users surveyed by Fish Labs believed a green lock icon in a browser meant that the site was legitimate. So remember, HTTPS and the green lock means the info you're sending to the site is encrypted and can't be read by others, at least in theory, right? Doesn't mean the site itself is where you should send the data in the first place. Yeah, this is this is really interesting. So so phishing sites, and I, I, I know some of you are, are imagining tuna right now. We're talking about phishing as in like, you know, when you try to trick someone into giving you information. So phishing sites want to trick you. How, what's one of the great ways to trick you? Get a get a free security certificate. It, it's not actually fraud to start a website and get a security certificate from it. So even if you're a phishing site, you're not breaking the law by having a security certificate. You're just saying, yes, the connection between my server and your web browser is secure. Nobody but me, the fisher, can see what you give me. Now give me your personal data. It's all about what data you're giving and to whom, not just whether third parties can see it or not. That's just an example of, of phishing sites getting smarter and smarter. And so you have to continually, if you want to be secure, make sure that your shortcuts, if you're using shortcuts for security, are valid. And the green icon means, ah, uh, I can be on this uh, connection in a coffee shop and it's unlikely someone will see my third-party traffic. It doesn't mean, ah, the website I'm, I'm talking with is, has been proven to be a legitimate website. Well, yeah. And then we get into a conversation of how do we make sure that the general populace understands the difference between those two? Because you well, do, but a lot start, of people don't. We start with Krebs posting about this. Yeah. Uh, we start with Fish Labs doing the, the report. Then we start with Krebs posting it. Then we, then we have DTNS pass it along to all of you who then need to spread the word to your friends and family. Hey, Green icon just means nobody can see what you're browsing. Doesn't mean the site's secure. That's a tough one, though, because 
it's hard. People are like, yeah, but, oh, so wait a minute. So the green doesn't mean good. Like people right. just want simple. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's, um, complicated to get all the tech headlines each day in a simple manner, about five minutes or less subscribe to daily So Sarah, Facebook's making news again today. Aren't oh they? man. I mean, of all the days that Tom and Roger and I say, eh, let's just not make Facebook our main topic. Today was a day that we were like, let's do it. Uh, Bloomberg Sarah Fryer has an article out today. You might, you might've read it. If you haven't, uh, please do. It's called Facebook's Sheryl Sandberg is tainted by crisis after crisis. So the idea is Sheryl Sandberg is at the root of some of Facebook's uh, PR nightmare problems. The buzz is around the fact that Facebook already disbanded the war room that it showed off for dealing with the U.S. in midterms is relying on now something called strategic response team set up by Sheryl Sandberg. So again, it's sort of like um, when Uber had God mode. Uh, doesn't sound that great. War room, okay. Well, they they basically renamed something. Sheryl Sandberg famously wrote a, a book back in 2013 called Lean In, which advocated for women in the workplace. In 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 most respects, she's 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 very well respected. Um, and one Facebook worker said, uh, um, as, as as far as uh, as far as this whole war room thing is concerned, she's always going to be tainted. The person asked not to be identified for fear of losing their job. So, okay, this is this is a, um, a anonymous source. Now, okay, Sandberg is she? She's 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 a she's on top of quite a bit at Facebook. She leads legal and policy, uh, makes her largely responsible for rising regulatory risks, uh, government relationships, and. We, you know, would be remiss if we didn't mention that Facebook stock uh, since uh, this this um, this uh, summer um, has 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 slumped quite a bit, thirty nine percent. So, I don't know, Tom, Roger, everybody, I'm asking you, does this seem like uh, somebody who should be held responsible for? for a lot of Facebook's issues. Yeah. I, you know, the strategic response team uh, that you mentioned is set up right outside Cheryl's office. Uh, she has a 10:30 AM meeting, according to this Bloomberg article with them every day to help her understand what the threats to Facebook are. And that's, that's an attempt to rid Facebook of the problem where someone says Russia meddled in the elections and you didn't do anything about it. And they say, did they though? Was it really a problem? And and are perceived as responding slowly, if at all. This is to anticipate those sorts of things. So the whole war room thing does come off a little bit as a as a PR stunt. Like we'll put together a war room for the election, uh, but really the solution is this strategic response team. If the strategic response team is there to help Sheryl Sandberg understand the threats to Facebook, ipso facto, as you pointed out, that makes Sheryl Sandberg responsible for the things that are happening to Facebook. And she has gone in the media eye, the tech media eye, from being a darling to someone that needs to be blamed. I think there's a worry 
about criticizing her. This New York Times article from last week, we talked a lot about Zuckerberg in relation to that, uh, touched on it. The Bloomberg article takes it farther in saying, well, gosh, this is the woman who wrote Lean In. Uh, she's one of the few high-level female executives in Silicon Valley. Do we really want to drag down her reputation? On the other hand, it does seem like she is responsible for a lot of the things at Facebook that people have been criticizing. And granted, Zuckerberg's responsible for all of it, uh, but he is a level up from even Sheryl Sandberg. And Sandberg, as you said, is in charge of marketing, sales, policy, and legal. So, well, and I think I think this 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 asks the question. Okay, well, Mark Zuckerberg is the CEO, obviously. You know, he's the face of Facebook. But Sheryl Sandberg obviously has a a, a hand in much of the day to day operations of it. So, how much of it? Um, should be, uh, you know, put on her rather than him. You know, is he a figurehead? Um, is 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 you know it is is this warranted? Um, if if things aren't going well at Facebook, um, to to sort of dump on on Sandberg. Yeah, uh, it's it. She she. I mean, she's responsible for the day to day in a sense. She's not the person who directs it. it. It does become a game of, of you know, point the arrow, right? Uh, they had a head of policy who was in charge of the policies related to their responses to things like the Cambridge Analytica scandal. That person is leaving. And Nick Clegg, uh, the former deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom, is taking over at Facebook as head of policy. So the next policy problem, is it Sandberg's fault or is it Clegg's fault? Or is it both's fault? I We start to play these games, and I think it's sometimes hard for me to figure out whether it's the media having diluted themselves into one narrative and trying to pull out another narrative versus what's actually happened. And yeah. my feeling on what's happened with Facebook is the same thing I said about Zuckerberg applies to Sheryl Sandberg. She believed that they had thought of everything, that they're really smart, which they are, and that if people were pointing out a problem, then the people were missing something because Facebook obviously wasn't doing bad things. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't do things the way they are. And it took a long time for her to realize, wait a minute, a lot of people think this is a problem. Maybe it is. I think part of it is that um, when you have uh, uh, an executive group that's had so much exposure and so much uh, through so much, after a while, I mean, you really can't whether whether it's right or wrong. You really can't separate that individual from the litany of of issues, whether it's legal, political, whatever. And you know, it, it's one of those company things where you just kind of got to cut people loose because the people that you have aren't necessarily going to be the ones that are going to write the ship, right? I mean, we you, you have think, this issue. You think with, Cheryl Sandberg should go? Yeah, I think I think she should go. I honestly do. And, and you know what? She she might have not had any direct role in any of it, but she is she is connected and ultimately she is the face and 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 the at at, at being a COO, she has a responsibility. Even if you weren't aware, it's your job to be aware and to kind of soak up the responsibility on that because that's part of the gig. Now, Zuckerberg is a different issue and I don't think I mean I have my own th I have thoughts on him too, but as it as it applies to shows she needs to go. 
I mean, it's 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 one of those things where, yeah, you know, maybe it's not her fault. I mean, it's it just you, you, I don't. This, I don't think this boat will ever right itself if you have the same group of people uh, run, you know, steering the ship. As much as I don't like Facebook and I don't use them much, <laughs> I also don't. I also think the mistakes they have made are highly exaggerated and emotionally manipulated. I I think if other companies made similar mistakes that weren't involved in the election or with the emotional attachment people have to social networks, uh, that they wouldn't be considered to be fireable offenses. And but, maybe but that's, that, but that's right? exactly what Facebook yeah. is. Well, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not sure what damage has been done. I, and if if you have executives that are now doing the right thing because, hey, nobody ever did this before. And yeah, we handled admitting we were wrong really badly, but we've learned from that. Is it possible that it's better to keep those people who've learned the lesson in their position rather than bring in people who are more inexperienced in the brand new industry? You know, that's that's you know, that's that's always been kind of the reason for keeping the old guard. And I, you know, there's a parallel industry to this, and that's at least in the US, it's the car industry. You've literally for the longest time had the same group of people running things, and they might have swapped out CEOs, but it was the same group of people. You know, the, the argument eventually was like, listen, you're never gonna write this boat. You know, we're we're losing sales or our cars are coming out crappy. You know, the people who put you in this situation generally aren't the people that are gonna be able to pull you out. But it's and that's there's a very demonstrable problem with the car industry. They were losing sales. Facebook isn't losing sales. The only thing they're losing is stock price, which largely is because of a negative perception of them, which may not be based on reality. Well, you know, and that that's why I said whether rightly or wrongly, it is her direct responsibility. There needs to be something that improves that relationship, right? If it needs, if it means she, I mean, it's 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 not, not you know, if in a in a perfect world, yeah, everyone who's actually responsible for stuff falling off the falling off the wagon gets gets pinned for it but we don't work in an ideal situation and if you were talking from a business perspective i mean at some point you know someone something needs to happen and you cannot just have you know a press release after press release and hoping that you can paper over the cracks until something better down the road materializes and everyone forgives you yeah, I'm not sure that that's what's happening with Sandberg, though. And I'm not sure that you wouldn't be papering over the cracks by replacing her because I don't know who you get to do that job better. Exactly. Well, uh, you know who doesn't do it better <laughs> or, or can't be bested anyway? <laughs> the people who participate in our subreddit, submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. If you like facebook.com slash groups slash daily tech news show. Join the conversation. Yeah. The conversation continues right here from the mailbag, for instance. Oh, it certainly does. So Tony wrote in about um, our conversation last week where Tom kind of took me to task saying, you're an American. You don't realize that the rest of the world is very, very cashless. Well, I, I, yeah. I took you and everybody else. I, I well, sure. Exactly. But, you know, it, it's it's a good thing to remember. Tony says, as you're aware, Australia has somewhat embraced the whole tap and go system. I've been somewhat concerned about a recent trip that my family had to your fair country, talking about the U.S. My main concern, apart from not tipping enough. I've been present twice when a waitress has stood up and argued over a tip 
that's a little weird, but okay. (laughs) Was having to carry larger amounts of cash around, not just because of the possibilities of robbery, but not bringing enough and running out before the end of the trip. As it turned out, I was pleasantly surprised. Although perhaps not always true tap and go as pin numbers were often required, all shops were happy to accept my card, even for relatively small transactions. The only place that didn't was a small lunch shop we encountered on a tour, which was well out of town. Admittedly, we stayed in a very touristy area of Hawaii and perhaps other areas are not geared up for the same convenience. I was still very pleased, both not running out of cash or getting chased down on the street by an upset waitress. Yeah, that waitress thing, that is a very unusual situation. That is very, yeah, that is, no. Uh, I, mean, I am glad that, that your experience was that there were more places you could pay with tap. I, at, for comparison, I was in a very small town way out in uh, the outback. I don't know if it was in the outback. It was in rural Australia uh, at a pie shop that took my Apple pay. So I was impressed by that. I, I, I think that, uh, there are more places in the U S that, that can handle it than there used to be though. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's funny, um, depending on where you're from and where you're visiting, uh, the idea of tipping can be a little, it's either normal or it's a little weird. And, um, I definitely see, uh, where, where you were coming from, uh, Tony. Um, it, it, not that a waitress should be, a being rude to you because you didn't tip enough, but there is an expectation and there is a sort of unspoken understanding of how it works. If you're used to it, well, weird as it may be, it's just the way that it works, Yeah. but it's, it's, it's somewhat odd, quite honestly, because it's a social thing rather than an agreed upon uh, monetary thing. Yeah. And it seems like hardware is usually the the blocking. Silverblade points out a lot of places don't have tap because they don't want to get new hardware. They don't want to pay for it. And I've noticed that smaller shops often will have tap because they're brand new and they just got an iPad based, you know, cash register system or or something like that. So it, it is interesting how it how it all rolls out. Hey folks, we need 12 of you to sign up for DTNS to hit our monthly goal of one more patron than last month. We've got four more days left in November. So everybody who's supporting us, please hold on if you can. Uh and and just 12. If you're one of the 12 out there that's not supporting us, then all you need to do is sign up. And we're even going to make it sweet for you. A special offer. If you become a patron or if you stay a patron between now and December 5th, you'll get a holiday postcard with a special message from the DTNS team. Remember, you do have to give us your mailing address to get a card or we can't send you a card. Uh, You can add that in your settings. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. We just can't send you a card if we don't know where to send it, obviously. Uh, So sign up at patreon.com slash DTNS. And of course, uh, we thank you for your support. We also thank you for your feedback. Your feedback helps us make our show better. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Please keep giving us feedback. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us live, we'd love to have you. 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Get more at frogpants.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. 
Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.